the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson. Joining me as ever is editor Trevor Trahan. Hello. And we have a very special guest. to Fr- uh, Friend of the show. He can be called now. Show. He's he been in enough. Regular, <laughs> regular appearance uh, from Adam Peacock from Fox Sports. Welcome, Adam. Hi, ho. <laughs> he's without his box of tricks today. First thing, remember when Adam was on last time, he came with a, a variety of voices. It's just his own today. Oh, I forgot my phone. That's why. <laughs> oh, there we go. Stewie Griffin's at home. Anyway. All right, so let's, uh, let's wrap up Premier League. What can we say? First of all, quality effort from the Fox Sports team, I thought. Thank you. To try Thank and you. cover 10 games at once. Uh, although I have got a slight technical problem. The lag time on the red button was just too much. Oh, was it? Oh, it was, I was trying to flick between the guys. I was following it on Twitter. It was like... Someone scored. <laughs> Red button. Oh no, it's loading. It's loading. It's loading. And then you hope you get the replay of the goal or something. But Between seven, the seventieth minute and the eightieth minute, or the eighty-fifth minute, up to when Stephen Hunt scored for Wolves, that it was ridiculous. I think it changed about six times within I the think, space I mean, of fifteen they, minutes. Didn't they say it, it, the the relegation positions changed fourteen times during the ninety minutes? Oh, yep. Yeah. yeah. Phenomenal. There was 81 possibilities and 14 of them happened during the, the night and one of them down the bottom pretty much <laughs> expunged itself as we thought, Trev. Yep. Obviously, uh, <laughs> Just laying, ob- laying ob- there limp at the bottom of the table. <laughs> Obviously the public spoke with the, uh, with the vote for which game was the main game and, and quite rightly it was Aston Villa oh. versus Liverpool. Oh, That's yeah. never happening again. That huge, never that happening huge again. mid-table clash. Oh. I'd, like, I'd like to think that it's the thousands of Villa fans in Australia <laughs> but seen as I know every Villa fan in Australia by name, it wasn't <laughs> us. It was the Liverpool fans that obviously spoke on that score. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's, let's start, let's wrap it up. Obviously, the main game, Villa-Liverpool, win for Villa. Downing's goal uh, had quite a difference from a Villa perspective. Isn't it? it catapulted us from 14th to 9th, uh, which was worth about three and a half million quid, which would come in handy, as you say, when Downing and Ashley Young leave. Oh, it's a nice little top-up for when uh, you sell those yeah. two guys for 10 million And quid. after our uh, much-publicised horrible year uh, to finish top half, I'll take that, ninth. But your main thing happened on the last day as well. I think the the cheer at the end of the game, of the Villa game, was not as high as what it was three minutes earlier when Pavlyuchenko scored his second goal. I must admit, I was sat at home, I got up for it, and I was sat at home, and that was the moment where I wished that I was at Villa Park, when all four sides of the ground got up in unison singing anti-blues <laughs> songs when we knew that they were going down. Priceless moments. But anyway, let's, let's look at some of the games that had the, the big impact at the bottom of the table. Uh, Man United ended up winning 4-2 against Blackpool, but it was, uh, it was a roller coaster ride for the Tangerines. Uh, having gone behind, they led briefly for five minutes uh, and the impossible, the impossible seemed possible for a while. Trev? Yeah. It's a similar situation to West Ham a few years back when we had to go there to win against a Man U team that was... Um, but that was when you had that illegal player. That you <laughs> <laughs> he was nowhere near our best player either. I don't know where everyone gets that from. But uh, yeah, it was a similar, was a similar setup. Um, and Blackpool looked like they were going to get away with it. But even Man U reserves still pack a punch, don't they, really? You know, still got fairly decent players. I mean, so. their goal scorers, Park G, Sung, Anderson and Owen... And the unfortunate centre-back for Blackpool, Everett, who 
probably wanted the ground to open up and swallow him when that went in. But credit to the Blackpool fans who uh, who stayed and gave them a hell of an ovation and, and sang Everett's name as he walked down the tunnel. Um, um, so that was, that was a, a, a fantastic effort from them there. Holloway ran to leave the league as well. Did you, did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, the Premier League didn't want us and all the rest of it. <laughs> if you're going to go down, go yeah. down with a crazy rant. So, I mean, where, where does that leave Blackpool? You know, I mean, it was... It, they... they it was much publicised that they had a strict wage cap. They didn't pay anyone over ten grand a week. They, you know, he cobbled together a side. Obviously, Charlie Adams going to leave now. He's released. They've released, I think, eleven players this week. David Carney amongst them. I mean, is that it? Was that their season in the sun? Is it going to be a period of you know? They've got some parachute payments to play with for the next three or four years. Yeah, they remind me though of Burnley. Unfortunately, the season before that they had fantastic start and pretty good up until about Christmas time, and then it all went south when it all became a bit too hard. Their problem was the fact that their pitch got frozen and they got a few games postponed. So then the games all of a sudden through January and February came really quickly for them, and that's when they found themselves going from a position of solidarity seemingly in mid table and then bang straight away. But they've released 11 players this week, you would have heard, David Carney being one of them. He'll be fine, he'll pick up another club. No dramas whatsoever, but they missed out on the Europa League. We were we were yeah. trying to yeah. fi- figure it out, the Fair Play League, and uh, it's come through that Fulham. So uh, Fulham are through. So uh, even Zoltan Gira, their, their best efforts to try and get out of it. Zoltan Gira was on the pitch for two minutes, and then he came in Jackie Chan style on one bloke, and you could have sworn that he got the message: we don't want to come back on June third. They got more red match. and yellow cards in the last three games than they got in the whole season leading up to it. Didn't work though, so uh, they're playing. It's a bit like the poison chalice. The Europa, the Europa League. League. Everyone was doing their best <laughs> to avoid it. It's like Liverpool lost to us. I think, although yeah. Liverpool were probably one of the only teams that did seem to want to get in it, because I think it would have just been, you know, from where Liverpool were under Hodgson, that low point, probably you know, ten games in to then qualified for Europe would have been. A, they would have seen that as a massive boost. So they were probably the only team that wanted to qualify. Well, their big thing is the fact that they uh, now get to play on Saturday. So all the Liverpool fans, we know there's plenty of them here in Australia, get to watch them on a Saturday night now instead of uh, staying up late on a Sunday and uh, having to go to work. Spurs fans, you've got that next season. OK, uh, the other games down the bottom. Uh, Stoke, Wigan, 1-0 win. Uh, Roddy Ager on 78 minutes. and Wigan, you know, for all intents and purposes, at certain points during the season, looked all odds on to go down. And Trev... Well, for a few years now, haven't they? They looked, you know... Great escape. Yeah, pretty. I mean, that's a pretty good fixture if you want, want to get yourself out of trouble going to Stoke, who are safe, come off the back of the FA Cup final, not really that bothered. So I'm not surprised Wigan went there and won. Um, but yeah, they, they survive another season. Are they, they're going to be that team, aren't they, Wigan, that flirts with relegation year after year. But the celebrations at the end, no one celebrates... Um, Mediocrity like the English, do they? It's like, <laughs> like they'd won the Champions League. They're the new Southampton. Yeah. Giving uh, Martinez the bumps and yeah. all that. It's like, like, it's like the Bar- it's like reminiscent of Barcelona with Guardiola, <laughs> except they've just the stayed up by the skin of their teeth. Um, it's good, though. We won't talk about West Ham Sunderland. You already <laughs> down, Trevor. That had oh, no, no bearing on things, but it was uh, at least you signed off in style. Yeah, but yeah. The, it was a great the last minute goal, which was one of the worst piece of defending you'll ever see. It was a beautiful <laughs> way just to close. You had plenty to choose from <laughs> this season. Just just to close the campaign. So where does that? What does that mean for your boys? 
Yeah, it, other, obviously, Upson's been told he can go. Well, Upson's contract's run out. So Green it, is going to go. Keen, Green. back to Spurs. Yeah, thankfully, back to Spurs. Um, and obviously, Parker will leave as well. I think everyone's up. I've, I've heard um, Hitzel Burgers like to go to your lot. It was the most... Comeback time. Have you, have you heard him speak? Have you most... heard his hybrid, brummy German accent? <laughs> it's hilarious. Because he was with us for about six years. For, and he's married to a Brummie girl. <laughs> and he's got the weird... You know, remember when Liverpool had the, those sca- the Scandinavians who would yeah, yeah. speak in the... Like Jan Mulby with that weird Scouse Scandinavian. He's got a German <laughs> Brummie accent. It's, it's bizarre. Uh, but I'll take him back. He's a good lad. They're talking about half a million. Bite yeah. your hand off for you, that. But when he joined, though, you were saying, oh, you know, all he'll do is shoot, you know, on sight and... Change your tune now. No, I think he's all right. 52 caps for Germany. No, no, yeah, I, no, I think he's all right. He's 29. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I can't see him staying down. There, there was talk that he might be loyal to us because he was injured all season and, you know, feels like he wants to repay us for a campaign. Loyalty in football. Hello. He's German. Good work ethic. Um, <laughs> yeah, he spent years in Birmingham, mate. <laughs> he'll be off. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, but well, I think he'll be off because we'll sell him to get rid of the, the way to rip it. So I'm, really not, I'm really not bothered about who leaves. They're all terrible except Parker. Parker's going to leave. I couldn't care less. have the best grand in the lower leagues of England no nah, we'll be back before then you reckon <laughs> you'll be back straight up no well <laughs> and new manager <laughs> then you Come will on, be you playing you, in the Olympics as a new manager then there's so many names flying around I, th- I think we'll we'll make it through the playoffs next season I don't think we'll you know odds on to win the title and stuff yeah. next year nonsense I, th- I think that we'll make the playoffs and, and maybe do enough to get up next season um, there's so many people linked to that job uh, I, I mean O'Neill it's the obvious one. He's not going to go to West Ham. Stop talking about that. Um, I I wanted to see if we could sniff around Holloway. Now, because no, I wanted them to go down on the prize that we might better Plays get him. the right sort of football. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Allardyce is another name which sort of goes against you know what I was taught about supporting West Ham, which is playing good football and losing. So <laughs> I'd, I'd, I want to st- I want to stick to that, please. So yeah, I'd, I'd, hopefully we can. Maybe get Holloway. I know, I know he loves Blackpool. You know, best job he's done, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but you can get to everyone. Okay. It sounded a bit like um, the Godfather then. But yeah. I think <laughs> the real ding dong battle, which was uh, which, well, which was billed as a sort of do or die, and it didn't work out that way because uh, of Wolves scoring. But at half time, Blackburn raced into a, a three goal lead with a, a, a neat goal from Brett Emerton as well, which playing was, brilliantly. Yeah, running to the season. playing for a new contract. <laughs> that, one of those most motivated of players. Has he spoken to Viduka? The old Viduka trick, <laughs> He better start playing. Um, and then they came back with two goals, 73rd minute, and then, then a priceless goal from Hunt on 87 minutes, which meant that uh, Birmingham needed to get a result at, at Spurs. Again, amazing scenes with both teams mm. celebrating. You know, you'd never seen a loss <laughs> celebrated like that. No. The police were happy. Yeah, at least it, uh, cause it well, I was a, I've never seen that many Blackburn fans, travelling yeah. fans. Normally, mm. Blackburn been, bring about 200 fans. About <laughs> a couple of thousand there. Well, even Wigan sold out their allocation at Stoke, so that was a sign of uh, what the day meant. If Wigan can sell out an the away rugby, allocation. The rugby fans are turning up. <laughs> yeah. talk, talk about police problems. I think it's going to be interesting for the police in the championship next oh, yeah. season because we've got West Ham, Millwall, Birmingham, Christ. Cardiff, Brighton have had a you know a couple of little bits in the past. You know they'll be taking on uh, you know Watford in that uh, that league. Yeah, they'll, they'll be busy. Leeds, Leeds as well. Bring back the soccer specials and it'll be like the eighties <laughs> again. Like the good old days. Uh, all right, well, let's let's talk about Birmingham. Uh, 
probably spent the least amount of time in the relegation zone. Um, but gloriously and fantastically. <laughs> I love this unbiased coverage that, that we offer. It's 22 days they spent, or 23 now. They yeah. spent the last day of the, uh, the season in the relegation zone. But yeah, 23 days. The, the sweetest moment of it was just pausing as Pavlichenko's goal went in. <laughs> Sadistic. Off the, under, off the underside of the crossbar to see that it was 93, 93 minutes and 18 seconds and there was three minutes of injury time. So the referee had played 18 seconds longer to, for the goal to go in. So uh, Birmingham broke their uh, trophy duck but bobbed back down to the probably their rightful position. Oh, <laughs> You horrible human being. <laughs> All that is wrong with English football. Something brilliant happens on the park. Like players make six passes in a row, cuts the defence apart, and the poor old striker just misses the shot on goal. Everyone behind the goal does the wanker sign <laughs> at the striker. Nothing to do with the fact that there's just been Barcelona-type football that's... All about the negative, right. harping Every, on about the negative. Everything about football is summed up in same city rivalries, right? <laughs> Man enough. City, Man U, Liverpool, Everton, taking joy in the despair of your uh, your opposition. I did have a chuckle the year that Sunderland only got about three exactly. points in the Premier And there's, there's nothing quite like. I mean, there was two things that I love seeing on the on the last day of the season, like good natured pitch invasions. Always a winner in my book. So the Wolves, well, love it. Love a good-natured pitch invasion. But then also grown men crying in football stadiums. There's Dressed some, as Batman. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I can remember when, you, when Newcastle went down at Villa yes, Park that yes, last night. Yes. And they, just, they always get the shots, pan to the crowd, grown men crying. Love it. Who says we, don't, we can't cry? Um, all right, well, obviously Man United were presented with the trophy. Uh, we've sort of covered this before, but Adam, your your views on United's season and Ferguson's you know, efforts this year? Better than everyone else, and that's all they had to be. They weren't spectacular, but they were just better than everyone else, especially at the crucial moments, especially in the crucial moments in games. And the players that they needed to step up when they had to step up, Ferdinand was fit by the end of the season. Rooney was okay the second half of the season after his little spin out in October, and uh, that was good enough. Mm. I mean, if you'd said at the beginning of the season, man, you were just going to win only five games on the road all season, you wouldn't think that would be a title winning year. But I mean, the fact that they won 18 and drew one at home was the difference, isn't it? That they just picked up the points they had to Old Trafford. Um, well, you look at Black, Blackpool won as many away games as Man United, and Blackpool got relegated. Well, that's the least amount of, I said on the coverage, that's the least amount of away games to win a title in 30 years. Yeah. So, it, mm. And Ferguson said that um, that was the best ever we've had at home, so that was enough. Yeah, one eighteen drew, one lost, none at home. Phenomenal. Uh, and obviously the other thing uh, that was confirmed was Man City's uh, consolidation of third place, so they will... Go straight in to the Champions League. That's underestimated stages. how crucial that massive, is. Massive, massive. Because they, they could have drawn Bayern Munich because they would have been unseeded. Somebody on the forums actually yeah. was right, Trev. We, uh, a couple of points, I think it was, I can't remember his name now. Oh, oh, not much of an apology this is going to be. Is it? Someone can't put remember his right name. That we got the uh, UEFA coefficients wrong. Oh. And it's not next season that there's only three Italian teams. It's the year after. Wasn't someone saying they can't draw Bayern and Munich? No, no, no. Arsenal can't draw Bayern Munich right. because Arsenal will go so, into the knock, into yeah. the preliminary stage as a seeded team, as mm. will Bayern. But Man City wouldn't have been seeded, so could have drawn Bayern Munich. So okay. apologies for that. As I said on the forums, though, 
expecting a West Ham and a Villa fan to be up on Champions League coefficients is a bit like <laughs> stopping in Manchester City Centre and asking directions of the fellow with a Man United shirt on. <laughs> tell, him, tell him he can have a full... Largely unfulfilling. Tell him he can have a full refund on the cost of the podcast for this week. There you go. You'll have this one for free. I will look his name up in the uh, break. Heartwarming stuff. Well, there we go. So, uh, I mean, quick, quick wrap-up. Who would be your uh, team of the year? Manager of the year and player of the year on the oh. spot. Yeah. Trevlar. Everett Brent. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I don't need to look around there. Um, I mean, essentially, you're tempted to sort of say City for winning the FA Cup and, and getting automatic qualification. I mean, the vast amount of money they spent makes that a difficult call. Um, but the, these teams do take a while to pull together. So I do still think City are probably, you know. Yeah you know, t- team of the season, breaking that trophy drought, making Simon Hill a happy man for the uh, first time in a long, long while. Not that he's been miserable his whole life. <laughs> just, well, <laughs> just football-wise. No, you're right, you're right. No, a happy human being. I haven't seen him yet. He's back in the country, but uh, yeah, I dare say he's still got a drinking hand somewhere. Yeah. No, we saw, we we saw, saw him we saw on him Wednesday, Wednesday night. Yeah, he was still having a beer and celebrating. <laughs> it was funny because he was saying that everybody has been going up to him and saying congratulations. Like he's like, done as something. As if he's played. <laughs> That's what Bossa does in airports when we're going, like we were going to the grand final and like he sees a Central Coast um, Central Coast fan and he walks past him and goes, good luck, all the best, good luck, all the best. Like he said it to about, about 100 people and we're like, Bossa, they're not playing. They have no... <laughs> Input into the outcome of this fixture. Of oh, I'm just being friendly. Of course they do. Okay, mate. Uh, player of the year? Any? I mean, obviously the. the I just PSA like to say, Man City there. are not my team of the year because they're boring to watch. Man United were my team of the year because they won the thing. Anyway, okay. play on. Player of the year? I mean, obviously the the official gongs have been given out. Would you have given it to anyone different? Come on. What do you th- What do you think I'm going to say? No, Scott Parker, <laughs> human being of the world, is what I would have voted him. <laughs> Very yeah. good in an average team. Uh, Such a simplistic argument. But it's not true. In an average team was my man Charlie Adam. Yep. Okay. So we've got the two players have yeah. been relegated who are yeah, playing in the second division next season. I think I would have got. I would go for Hernandez simply because. I think, you know, you've seen many a centre-forward go to Man United and either take a long time to settle or not settle at all. Yep. And to go there and in your first season, uh, keep the Premier League's leading scorer on the bench for large parts of it. Mm. And really, that, But the more just the way he's fitted into the sort of ethos of Man United and to come from straight from Mexico into the Premier League yeah. and play at that level and, and form that understanding of the players around him, I think he's been... Fantastic, and we'll talk about obviously the uh, Champions League final preview in the in the final part of this week. So I'll have plenty more to say about that. Um, honourable mention for someone, and I can't vouch for how good they've been all season. But whenever I watched Blackburn, I thought Samba at the back was out yeah, of this world as yeah, a centre back. I think he might be on the shopping list of a few of teams uh, towards the top. He's still only young, isn't he? He's mm. not. I just thought he was over thirty. I think he's about yeah. twenty six. Yeah. But when he was here for the festival of football, we went to a PR lunch to launch it. He is a unit. Yeah, he was there that day, that's right. <laughs> He's massive. Two things came out of that. How big is Sam Allardyce's head yeah, in real yeah. life? It's How like, much does he drink? It's like, it's, a wine. it's like a seaman's duffel bag, isn't it? It's like... And Chris Samba, I thought, are you playing the NBA or are you playing the NBA? He is, he yeah, is one big, big man. But uh, yeah, so 
Yeah, Arsenal could do a lot worse than look at someone like him to plug the gap at the back for them. I think he's likely to go somewhere else. Oh, let's, let's just quick, quickly, before we finish up, just talk about Arsenal. I mean, where do they go from here? I mean, you know, certainly when they, lo- when they got beat by Villa in their last home game, I've not seen sort of open, you know, dissension from the fans like that. They mm. were randomly booed. The, a lot of fans didn't stay for the sort of, you know, the lap of honour, traditional sort of thank the fans at the end of the season. I mean, you know, they, it's five years now without a trophy. Um, they've now got to qualify for the Champions League. I mean, what from Wenger's perspective, you know, do we see him being still there if they don't win a trophy next year? Well, that's the question. I mean, how long can he go on for? Because at the end of the day, the, the, at the end of the day, God, I sound like a footballer. Um, <laughs> He's no, going to take each yeah, game They'll be sick as a parrot, aren't they? Yeah. They're not doing that. Um, they were 12 points off, not that great a Man U side. Um, and I've always stuck up for Wenger and always stuck up for Arsenal because of you know the way they've balanced the book and the football they play. But there has to be a certain point. If we're another five years down the line and it's been ten years since he's won everything, there has to be a break-off point where there needs to be a change there. I don't, I don't think that's argue yet. argue that they were probably three smart signings away from winning that league because at one point, that 12 points was pretty much the last month. Mm. You know, they were right there with, you know, with 10 games to go. And had they... Yeah. Yeah, you know, invested in a decent keeper, Rob I'd, Green. No, I, I think they should have paid the extra million and got Schwarzer. Mm. So I'll you tell know, you what, they probably they yeah. probably would have won the Carling Cup with a decent centre back and a, and a decent keeper. They would have won the Carling Cup, and they might well have won the league. I yeah. think they could buy obviously a centre back. Everyone knows that. Uh, I reckon they should sell Fabregas if they're getting thirty five mil for him. Yeah, That's I, th- I think there's, there's players yeah. coming through, isn't there? Wiltshire and Nazarene. Nazarene. And, and, yeah, Aaron Ramsey coming back yeah. from injury. All right, change and like the fact that he went to the Spanish Grand Prix reportedly on the last day of the season. I mean, well, I tweeted at the time. Stephen Gerrard was in with the Liverpool fans in the away end at Villa Park. Oh, was he? Yeah, it, it focused hey, on him. Focused on him. They started singing the Gerrard song, <laughs> and he's in, he's in the crowd with his mates. That's like everyone. And I tweeted at the time. It's like, there you go, <laughs> captain of Liverpool is injured. Captain of Liverpool is in with his fans at yeah. Villa Park. And the injured captain of Arsenal's at the Spanish Grand Prix. They need a leader. They yeah. need a alpha male bloody leader to uh, can run that dressing room and, and um, push everyone on. I don't know if you can do that though by buying someone and making him the leader straight away. So Scott Parker. Yeah. And and your boys, Adam <laughs> Newcastle, quick wrap up on the season from your perspective. Summed up in uh, oh, about twenty three minutes on the final day of the season, leading three nil and. Drawing three all. That pretty much sums it up. But you've just been promoting. You finished 12th. Happy with that. Yeah. 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 And Pardew, <clears throat> right man to take forward? You or? don't know because of the owner we've got. You, <laughs> you, you seriously don't know because he doesn't run the club, unfortunately. He should. Um, that's what football clubs should be in terms of the football side, I think. Yeah. But he doesn't run it. So you don't know what the man, up, the big fella upstairs is thinking. We've signed some French player from Long already who Robbie Slater reckons goes all right. So I'll take his word for it, seeing he's a club legend there. So... They just need to spend that $35 million. Um, I mean, PR-wise, he's never going to win the fans over, but he's just got to hopefully consolidate the squad and uh, hopefully a top-half finish next season. OK. All right. Well, that's it for the uh, for the Premier League for this year. 
10 weeks till we start again. Yeah, 33 days there a week. You're already so planning the you know, start of the season issue. It really is going oh, to no. day, isn't it? It doesn't go away for long. Fantastic. <laughs> anyway, that's um, it for uh, extended part one, but uh, extended for good reason to wrap up the, uh, the goings on at the top and the bottom. We'll be back after this break to talk about the local news that's been making headlines on the website au.442.com. We all have goals, but sometimes we need a little help along the way. The best advice and assistance on your journey can make an enormous difference. Tiger Management and PR represents up-and-coming and established TV and radio presenters, performers and sports people. So if you're wondering how you'll rise to the next level, engage the services of Tiger Management and PR and you'll no longer be alone. Call 1300 784 212 to find out more or visit tigermanagement.com.au. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're going to look at some of the uh, local news that's been making headlines this week. And on Tuesday night, uh, FFA Chief Ben Buckley came face to face and I think got a, got a sense of some of the, the, the anger or frustrations of the fans um, in the latest fan forum organised by Footy Fans Down Under, Lee over there, and uh, this was in association with SBS, who were recording uh, the the proceedings for for, uh, for broadcast later this month. I think it might even be next Monday. Um, he got booed as he went onto the stage, um, <laughs> which I think I can understand it, but I think the guys had at least you know had the balls to turn up and face it. I think you know I, I just I, I don't think that we need to make things personal to get our point across. and then, But I suppose the fans needed to get across how they felt. Adam, what's your view on this? I don't know, because SBS took out an AVO against anyone from uh, Fox Sports going within 500 metres of the joint, so we don't know what... No, I'm, you're both <laughs> looking at me going, yeah, really? This is big news. What? <laughs> no. Trev's fingers were poised <laughs> over, the, over Twitter as we spoke. We clearly weren't allowed in the joint because it was an SBS do, so um, I was just reading everything that was on your uh, fantastic website. Um, what was going on? I mean, it was expected that the... the he's not exactly Mr. Popular, um, but... I'm with you, Jacko. Good on the bike for, for showing up. Um, from what I read on the extensive quotes that were there, he, he pretty much didn't come out with anything groundbreakingly new and just reiterated the stance that we pretty much knew already. Um, but, yeah, uh, you were there, Trev, obviously. No, I wasn't there. You weren't there. Kev, you, Kev, you were the ABO too, did you? Yeah, is that, no. Kev, Kev was, Kev was there. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, like you say, it's, it's good that he's gone and, and faced the fans. He probably needs to do it more and more, you know, and in different areas. Um, I know one of the things that, you know, Kevin was tweeting, and look, I'll, I'll choose my words carefully because I don't want to be disrespectful, but when when Buckley kind of, you know, answers a lot of these questions, he has quite a kind of glazed look. Like, he doesn't really care. He's going through the sort of political motions of giving a canned answer. And I think that's what upsets fans because... He seems to lack any sort of passion for the topic. Yeah. You know, when he's answering, you, you don't really feel like he's digging deep and really sticking up for football. You just feel, you know, like a, any sort of polit- political party leader is just going through the party line. And I think with such a passionate sport, that's why fans are upset. I, I mean, I, you know, I, we've talked about Ben, I mean, you know, and he's a, he's a very nice bloke. You know, I think there's a lot of stuff that the FFA do that I think people don't see. But I, I would like to see after four years in the job, a bit more passion for the game. 
Yeah. You know, having spent four years immersed in football, you would like to think that four years down the track and World Cups and Asian Cups mm. and, you know, bidding for a World Cup, that there would be a bit more, this is sort of, you know, I'd love to see him come out and say, you know, <laughs> I was an AFL professional player, but I've now seen the power of this sport and this is the sport that I want to run, you know, and I, and it, I just... You know, so you need a rallying call. You we need, need a salesperson. Yeah. We, 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 we are all tasked in all of our various roles in this sport here. Adam with Fox, us with 442. We've all got to sell the game. Mm. You know, and we've all got to sell the game. Hard. And nobody should be selling the game harder than the FFA. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't see that. You know, I mean, yes, we, we're yet to see the marketing campaign for this year. We, you know, we do need to hold fire until we see that. There's supposed to be more of it as well, isn't there? We understand. Well, I mean, that's the thing because obviously, when they when they shut down North Queensland, it was because that two million could be put to use marketing the whole league rather than propping up one club. So, um, you know, they, we need to see that. We need to see that two million dollars worth of marketing. Well, it looks like um, for the Socceroos matches coming up. I um, was talking to someone yesterday with a bit of knowledge on the topic. It looks like the the, the soccer the, the marketing budget around these two games that not at the level that they, they were, so whether or not that money is just being saved full stop because they've had cuts or whether yeah. or not it's been put in or whether or not it's just a furphy and there is a marketing budget for these Socceroos matches in Adelaide and Melbourne uh, or whether or not it's been put in the A-League. Um, we'll get the draw next week. I've seen a draft um, copy of it. Next Mar- Murray Tuesday. was saying it's very good on Twitter. It is very good. Yeah. The first three weeks uh, are excellent and there's an innovation at one point in the season that's never been done in any league, uh, pro- profesh- five, five footballs on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And they're going to have huge fans walls are, come up around. Fans are allowed to join in randomly. <laughs> yeah. Midway through the second half, three fans are allowed to go on at any point, and the around the eighteen I'm not yard sure box. We'd <laughs> There's going to be like the, those little ravines like around castles just suddenly appear around the 18-yard box. No, um, at one stage in the season, there's going to be innovation that's never been seen before in Australian professional sports. So that's going to be fantastic. It's not going to be something really embarrassing, is it? That, nope. That it's everyone's very, it's going to pick up on. And we, right. No, it's good. Right. Trust your judgment. So next so Tuesday... Be announced, and you're covering it live, aren't you? Something going to be announced Not live. me. That's my day off. Um, Fox but, Sports <laughs> News. I think Fox you're doing Sports, a special yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah we've got uh, yeah, 12.30... One back. Yeah, go. Yeah. Okay, thanks. <laughs> 12.30, uh, Fox Sports News, Channel 513. It's on all the time. Um, next uh, Tuesday afternoon, uh, Big Lyle is going to go in there uh, and uh, chat about the draw. And, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll see for yourself. Brilliant. Look forward to that. Um, the Mustafa Amini to Dortmund transfer saga rolls on. Uh, Peter Turnbull has uh, spoken in the local press up there on the central coast, uh, responding to uh, Buddy Farah, who is uh, Amini's... Uh, Representative, Can't, I'm not sure I can call him agent because I don't think he's a he's a FIFA licensed agent, but um, it's his representative. Um, his mate, yeah. His buddy. Peter, I mean, Peter Turnbull makes a good point, um, which is that obviously with Perez leaving, uh, Mustafa Amini is the Mariners' incumbent playmaker at the moment. So why should they let him leave on the cheap? The bad thing is for the Mariners is the fact that he'll be in the uh, Youth World Cup, yeah, and uh, every single agent, and if he sets up one goal there every single uh, he'll be more in the spotlight personally and this is nothing against any side I have a totally ambivalent um, feeling towards whatever he ends up doing but personally I reckon it'd be better for him to play a full season in the A-League start every game which he probably will like he certainly didn't do that last season um, start every game 
and uh, build a base for himself and then go. No, I'd the agree. After. I'd agree. You know, and I think I think it's probably slightly different to a Mitch Langerak situation in that, you know, when you're a keeper you can play till you're forty. Yeah. You know, Langerak was what, nineteen, twenty, you know, he was he'd, he'd had a full season as victory keeper or pretty much three quarters of a season as victory keeper and arguably a lot more about goalkeeping is going and learning from people that you train with every day because you're not playing yeah. week in, week out. When specific you're goalkeeping coaches. But, but when you do stuff. break through, you might not break through to your 26, 27, but yeah. you've still then got another decade of playing time. Whereas when you're an outfield player, then you don't have that sort of window. Um, but also, I'm, I'm fully on the side of uh, and Peter Turnbull and the club in that you know he is going to be one of their linchpins this season. And if he is going to leave, then they need to be um, you know, remunerated... Uh, appropriately for him and, and it's good that, they, that we're seeing people take a stand if you think back to the poultry fees that people like David Carney left Sydney yeah. FC for 50 you know. grand yeah uh, alright Trev um, one bit of bright news from the West Ham camp was yep. the uh, promotion of Dylan Tombides mm. uh, to the full t- first team squad I don't think he didn't get on did he didn't play no no um, we talking. talked about this last week um, but you, and you were saying you know West Ham being relegated and a bit of a clear out of the senior pros might give opportunities for people like Dylan, who's obviously going to be uh, be uh, in action for the Joeys at the Under-17 World Cup. I, I, from what I've heard about him, and he's won the Academy Player of the Year, um, one of the best football academies in the world, so um, th- that some award. And I was chatting to the... Is that TN? The <laughs> Academy of Football. Um, I was chatting to the ground announcer at West Ham about him the other... <laughs> of course you were. The other day. As you do. <laughs> and, um, yeah, look, they rate him as a really, really good prospect in the relegation. Um, the, the lot of the squad that was in that sort of final Sunderland game, even though all of them didn't play, is likely to be the, the spine of the team next season. So, yeah, it's good. I'm mean, not going to get to see him play, but it, there will be an Aussie playing for West Ham next season. Yeah, you will? I watched more games of Newcastle in the Championship when they played in the Championship than I did in the Premier League. How many a season do you reckon? I reckon I watched about 20 Newcastle games. Live? Oh, well, had the opportunity to, but 3 a.m. in the morning I set the IQ. But yeah, yeah, that's fine. I don't mind the, the time of the IQ's not a problem, but I mean, I've got the impression that it's kind of no, spread you, out. You won't go into this vortex where... You I mean, I'm not bothered about going. I couldn't care less about going down, <laughs> but I just want to watch the games, you know? You will see Newcastle the are a better supported club, though, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. Uh, what's interesting about this is, is another <laughs> Perth-born player. Perth-born 17-year-old. Mm. Now, unless... Yeah, Let's let's count the Perth-born players that have gone overseas and, and bypassed the A-League. Lazaridis? Shane Lowry. No, I'm talking about oh, in the recently, last few years. Right. Shane Lowry, Chris Hurd, the two Al- Alistair Edwards, two young lads who just signed for Reading. This guy, Reese Williams. Yeah, I think Reese Williams' brothers have now gone and signed professional terms overseas. What are Perth Glory doing? Well, the, what, what West Ham. <laughs> why aren't these kids correct? <laughs> why aren't these kids coming through the the National Youth League and the A League? You know, it's it just seems to me that there's, there's this whether they've got some bloody good agents in Perth that are shipping these kids straight out, but it does seem to be is this you know? Um, well, some, alarm bells ring when someone like Alistair Edwards and the, the standing he has in football officialdom in this country, and his two kids go bang straight over. <laughs> it's just like. Okay, what exactly, you're right, yeah, what exactly is going on at grassroots level for Perth Glory over there? Um, yeah. well, West Ham picked up when he was 14, 
We've got like a, an academy that links in Perth and stuff. So they picked him up, you know, very, very so young. So he got right. over there before they changed the rules on the uh, overseas yep. eligibility and when really. you can go and what yeah. you can do. And... All right, well, another young, uh, well, not so young now, 25, uh, Neil Kilkenny. Uh, obviously just missed out on promotion with Leeds. Um, and I believe he's out of contract, but he's now looking to sort out his club future uh, as soon as the Socceroos friendlies are out of the way. He's obviously in the squad. Uh, was a late addition and, a, and very much a, a pick by um, by Holger Osik, uh into the Asian Cup squad and, and certainly did himself a lot of favours with his uh, performances there. Uh, he's in the squad again. Um, do we see the sort of championship being his his level at the moment, or would he potentially be on the radar of some lower Premier League teams or maybe some teams that have just gone up? There's not much nah. difference between the standard, the, the some of the lower lower Premier League teams and a huge club like Leeds. To be honest, I haven't seen enough of the bloke play in terms of full 90 minutes and like you've seen him come on occasionally yeah. for the for the Socceroos and you saw him in the Olympics as as well. But, um, yeah. I think, she got, I, mean, I think the Championship's better than the Premier League anyway, so I reckon it'll be much better off. Of course uh, it is. Much better off playing One that. bloke said that in our office once. He goes, well, oh, seriously? This, this is proper football. <laughs> this is the best football in the world. We all looked at him and went, are you... What drugs have you been taking? <laughs> it wasn't Bozza, was it? No, it wasn't Bozza. I won't give the person's name up, but they know who they are. <laughs> and, yeah, it quickly got shot down, but he still still believes it. All right, David Carney. Uh, obviously, he struggled with his, um, with his shoulder injuries since the Asian Cup, um, where he, he popped it out during the Asian Cup. He's had issues again. He's had reconstructions. Uh, and he's now been released by Blackpool, uh, obviously, not not really through choice. I think this was just them obviously letting players go that they couldn't continue to pay those sort of wages in the championship. Uh, he was on a one-year deal. Um, club have chosen not to activate the second year. Uh, also among those released was Marlon Harewood. Another great Martin O'Neill signing. Five million we paid for him. Big from Marlon. You. He's played in all, all our cups. He club. must have seen us coming. <laughs> yeah, he's been we, we shipped him out on loan to you, didn't we? And he's yeah. played down yeah, at your He's all right with us. And uh, Jason Yule uh, is gone as well. Obviously, Charlie Adam will be uh, will be on his way. So, where next for uh, for Mister Carney? Maybe West Ham. Need a left back after Wayne Bridge was so fantastically awful for us for an incredibly <laughs> high amount of money. Um, yeah, maybe West Ham. But I mean, Championship. I, I don't think he'll have a problem picking up a another Championship team. I don't think. You know, unless someone like QPR has just gone onto the Premier League's interest. Norwich, but, Norwich, yeah, you probably some, think will be looking around for some some bargain players. He's, he's obviously on a free, which uh, massively in, increases his appeal to those sort of sides. Him, yeah. yeah, and I mean, all you could do is if you're his, it's not that hard a job if you're his agent. Just get a, a couple of his goals for the Socceroos and go. Hey, you can do this yeah. on a weekly basis for you. And yeah, he's away. Obviously, he doesn't do that on a weekly basis, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, like, I mean, the, the dude scored against Germany to win the game so you, the game. you could do a really good DVD highlights reel of Carney couldn't you you know, you know those players that you sign on DVDs you could do an amazing one goal, goal against, against Ireland Paraguay yeah. Nigeria was it Nigeria scoring against yeah. Germany recently yeah. and, he's a free scoring left back he would look incredible alright uh, one not really football related story but disappointing to read nonetheless was uh, former soccerer Ahmed Elrich has uh, has been charged with 11 gun offences and a drug offence after he was allegedly found with two pistols when stopped by police in a Sydney street this week. Um, it's a, and bizarrely, some erectile <laughs> dysfunction tablets. I mean, like, like Kevin said on Twitter, you, you could not make, make this up. up yeah. the, the worst thing in the world could happen to someone and then you add in the little line, 
And he was also found with erectile dysfunctional <laughs> tablets so as well. And it, what it brings be, about a chuckle. What would be interesting would be which they found first. Yeah, well. Because they'd be like, they find the erectile dysfunction tablets and they go, so what's that big thing in your pocket there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a gun. <laughs> it obviously kicked in. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know where it went wrong for Ahmed, but um, it seems it has gone wrong. Which is Simon <laughs> oh dear but anyway let's hope that he uh, he can deal with whatever issues he's got he's still only 29 he had an injury plague spell at the Mariners and, and Wellington he got a bad knee injury at exactly the wrong time was it when he was at Fulham or towards the end when he was at Fulham and he got an ACL I think it was yeah. and he was never really the same kind of because he was, he was zippy he was quick he was good on the ball but um, he never really reached those heights again when he came back to the A-League so hopefully he can sort himself out alright well that's it for uh, part two we'll be back in uh, part three to talk about some of the major news from the wider world of football and obviously we'll be discussing uh, FIFA goings on this week which have dominated headlines around the world so join us after the break the new issue of 442 is on sale now where we go behind the scenes of EPL Giants Liverpool we interview new owner John W Henry plus returning coach Kenny Dalglish on their master plans to bring the title back to Anfield we have the first major interviews with Liverpool's new strike force of Andy Carroll and Luis Suarez plus a profile on how captain Steven Gerrard might reinvent himself as a centre-back while Jamie Carragher chats Australia, including if he would consider joining the A-League. Elsewhere, we're in Utrecht with housemates Tommy Orr, Michael Zullo and Adam Sirota. We look at match-fixing in Asia and if it could come to Australia. Plus, our 2011 Reader's Census reveals what you really think of the A-League, FFA and Ben Buckley. Back to 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We're going to turn our attention uh, to goings on at FIFA. Never a dull moment. What's that I hear? Is that the sound of a house of cards collapsing? Um, it's got a feeling of a little bit of a sort of Tiger Woods type thing, isn't it? It's yeah. Like where, you know, something just cracks and then it all falls yeah. apart. And they all come out of the woodwork. I've, I've done him. Um, I mean, the... the, the the precipitation for this, no, Tiger Woods, was uh, Lord Treesman uh, really sort of started this with Lord um, Treason, with uh, the evidence that he gave on with parliamentary privilege, where he talked about specifics about uh, you know requests that he encountered during the bidding process from uh, from members of the FIFA Executive Committee. Um, obviously, the backdrop to this is the election that is going on with two candidates, both from within the executive committee, Set Blatter and Mohammed bin Amam, head of the AFC. That is scheduled to be the 1st of June election. Is that not going to be put back, do you think? I mean, it's going to have to be. Um, no way they can do that. You know, and, you know, basically, it's no, got it ugly. Put, it it was, be put back. It was getting really? ugly between Blatter and bin Amam anyway. Uh, there was a fair bit of mudslinging come from both sides. That has now gone up a notch. With Chuck Blazer, uh, the US. <laughs> Chuck Blazer, that's inc- incredible, isn't it? And it's even better when you see a photo of him. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. Chuck like Blazer. S clause of the North Pole. Break, breaking ranks and basically dobbing on his mate, Jack <laughs> Warner. I mean, there's no more, you know, oh. this is Jack Warner, who, who everybody knows, honest Jack, who's, uh, you know, as. <laughs> Has basically ruled the Concacaf region to the to the point where there were rumours that Chuck Blazer actually voted for Qatar over the US because Warner told him to do so. Um, 
he's now Blazers broken ranks and said, yep, uh, Binnamam and uh, Jack Warner uh, were colluding and Binnamam was offering financial incentives to vote for him in the upcoming election. So there's an emergency convening of the FIFA Ethics Committee for what that's worth. Is Les on there? I think, he, I think there's a lot of people that are in and they pull people together as, as many depending as they can. on what the, yep. the charges are. So, uh, so this is all kicking off now this weekend, 29th of May. So Sunday will be the uh, meeting of the, the ethics committee. And now been a mam overnight and said, well, if we're <laughs> up for it, then Blatter needs to be involved in this as well. And if you're listening to this podcast four days after we've actually done it on, on this Friday, um, Zurich might not exist as we know it. <laughs> it might, <laughs> might have implode. just just imploded or combusted or something might have happened. I mean, yeah. You sort of think that maybe, I've been thinking about this though, like, that, that maybe this was what had to happen. Maybe FIFA had to eat itself. Or, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because they've been so Teflon for so long and amid everyone sort of having their doubts and the, the whole World Cup bidding process... With, you know, we said at the time maybe that the awarding of Qatar it will be the straw that's sort of just the most Too unbelievable much. straw yeah. that breaks the camel's back. No pun intended. No. <laughs> that would have been but genius even, if you'd set that up on purpose. But, but even still, it's taken you know six months to now get to this stage. You know, I mean, do, surely Adam, I mean, FIFA can't be the same again after this. Reckon, this this has got a. I no, honestly no. believe. At this stage, as it stands right now, without any more coming out, even taking into light what's happened with Warnermon and all his mates over in the Caribbean, I honestly believe this is all the doing of Sepp Blatter so that he gets re-elected as FIFA president and it will all miraculously disappear after he gets re-elected. But do you think that it can now, when you've got nine of the executive committee but, with severe uh, They're a law unto themselves. With, with... Once you're president of that organisation, you don't have to answer to anyone. You, you can set yourself but up sure, like he's done for so long. But surely, though, at some point, I mean, you know, for the for the election, obviously none of the other member federations are willing to sponsor another candidate. Yeah. But surely now this is the opportunity for the big football nations to go, enough. But someone's got to make... You don't represent us anymore. You know, we, we, we can't have these 20 blokes or 24 blokes that is now... That, that everybody knows is is corrupt, you know. It's like the, the FA had the perfect chance after the World Cup. They were that pent up over what happened with their 2018 bid that they had the chance to do something like that. They had the chance in the last couple of weeks to do But they would something. see that they've precipitated this by creating that parliamentary... I want those 10 minutes. I want 10 minutes of parliamentary privilege every day in <laughs> yeah. my house just to, just to clear the air yeah. and get on with life. Anyway, uh, that's beside the point. Trevor, what do you reckon? Well, um... I mean, I suppose we've all seen the Andrew Jenkins interview. Andrew Jennings. Jennings, Jennings yeah. sorry. Andrew Jennings interview. And he was making the point about sponsors, wasn't he? And that, yeah. that has been disputed since. But um, the reputation that is getting around FIFA, the way that when you talk about FIFA, what's the next thing you talk about? Corruption. And the way that, you know, fans and sponsors are starting to feel towards it, it, it will make a difference. I don't think they can go on you know, having this kind of reputation forever. So there has to be some kind of change about. But you're right, you become so sceptical every time a new piece of information comes out, you're shocked. But then it doesn't make any difference whatsoever because they look after themselves, don't they? They regulate themselves. So, yeah, I hope this is what brings it all to the head. I think it will. I, I think it's gone too far now. I think, had this just been between Bimmerman and Blatter, but you throw in the Treesman allegations about different people on the executive committee 
the stuff that's already been in the public domain from Andrew Jennings and the Panorama shows. I think there's, there's too many people now involved in this. Well, the IOC had something similar when it came out about Salt Lake and how yeah. they got the, uh, the Olympics for their uh, Olympics in 2002. And they changed, and everyone said they changed, and now they've got a good guy in there, seemingly good guy, Jacques Rogg is in there and Sam Ranch is gone, literally. Um, nothing much, though, did change. We're not sure. We, you don't really know exactly how much changes. It's just the perception. It's how good the PR department of that particular organisation is. So whether or not much changes, even if it does changes in our, change in our eyes, who knows? I mean, it's such a big sport. Um, every country plays it. Fozzie ha- actually had a good idea. Um, no, I, th- I, I, thought, reckon I, I thought his piece was, was very good. I thought he, he made some really good recommendations. Everyone gets a vote. That's the main one. Yeah, On the, everyone so. gets a vote, making it a bit harder. And don't like spring it as a surprise. Oh, we're having the vote in two weeks. So you don't give time for people to have... It. If they redo 2022, if they had any gumption, it won't happen. They've already got the bid books. We don't have to do any more. We've already had the kangaroo bloody bouncing around and everything like that. We've already had the final presentations. Just get every member to, to take... One week to have a look at the bid books. Well, and, and they should reread the technical reports. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Which, which they got ignored. Them, you know. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, that won't happen. It'll go on and it'll be the Sorry, same. I, I guarantee you it'll be the same in a month as it is now. Well, you'd, sort of, you'd, you know, you'd, you'd probably say that obviously there was, there was talk last weekend and the Sunday Telegraph did a big splash on the front cover, you know, that, that maybe there's a chance to get 2022. I think we're a long way from that. But you'd probably say that unless they come up, I mean, I'm not sure that they, they can hold the elections against the backdrop of this because it just it's worthless. It's meaningless. How can been a man stand as a, whilst this is unless the you know what happens if the ethics committee find him guilty? Yeah, is Blatter, Blatter unopposed? It does have the hallmarks of a an election in East Africa, doesn't it? <laughs> it's, it's kind of a, a little bit. Yeah, this will roll on, I'm sure. I guess the question mark would be is if Bin Amam and, and the Qatari bid is found to have uh, to have stepped over the line and, and offered bribes or whatever, then presumably they will have to take the World Cup from them. Uh, and then that then, but then it will then decide. Well, what is the process for re-awarding it? You know, can you imagine um, the blow up from the West, uh, from the Middle Eastern um, community about like you got this whole thing that's been going on in the world for the last 10 years. The, everyone views um, Islam as the, the horrible, and I don't want to get too deep here, but that's not going to help the situation. Mm. There's going to be a, a Western conspiracy that'll come out and that'll just anger, fuel anger more, and it just won't help. So it's a whole, whole horrible big mess. All right, well, we'll uh, obviously keep, keep an eye on the website over the weekend. We'll be following this in, uh, in great detail as it happens. Uh, other news briefly, um, Colo Torre uh, had his sentence handed down uh, last night. He will miss the, the, the start of next season. He's been handed a six-month ban for all football for failing a drugs test. Is that backdated? Yes, it is. Yes, for, it's so. from March, so he's eligible from the 1st of September. Um, so not that bad, a couple of games, isn't it, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sort of, yeah. Yeah, so I think, yeah. That's, that's fair it's enough. if he doesn't really. eat too many hamburgers in the meantime. Yeah. <laughs> well, the reason it's not so bad is because they know it's a specific substance. They know exactly what it was that he took. So they he backs up his story about taking his wife's tablets or whatever it was. It water retention or well, something? Water tablets, yeah. Yeah. Weird. It's like Warnie's 
mom's tablets that she gave him, wasn't it? It's like that, wasn't it? Oh, it's like Park G. Sung taking frog juice. You read that? No. He said when he was a kid, he, he was a little kid and he was finding it hard to compete with the bigger kids when he was trying to make his mark. So his dad used to trot off into the, the jungle wherever he was and, um, and get a couple of frogs, kill them, squeeze it out, and he'd drink the frog juice for the protein. Worked. There you go. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> I have to change the words to that song. Yeah. <laughs> um, and on Man United, uh, this is a bit of an odd one because Manchester United uh, and Fergie has, seems to have come out and said that uh, they've signed David De, David De Gea um, <laughs> David. from Atletico Madrid. But he seems to have come out and said that he's not signed anything yet. It's a bit of a difference of opinion here. Obviously, they've got to move quickly to replace Edwin van der Sar. Um, and Kushak has expressed a desire to leave unless he's going to be first choice, which I don't think he's going to be, um, particularly after his comedy display at Blackburn. Where he appeared to have forgotten the rules. He'd but, want to be good. I mean, 20 at the biggest club. How many 20-year-old goalkeepers are there in the Premier League? No, not many. It's Sid, I read Sid Lowe was tweeting about how good he is. He said he's good. He's just surprised about the move because he didn't think he's that good yet. Yeah. So, and yeah. You know, as we've seen with, you know, with keepers that have gone to Old Trafford again, it's not the, <laughs> it's not the easiest place to go as a keeper. You no. know, when you're following a legend like Van der Zaar and the success that they've got, um, three Champions League finals in four years and 12 Premier League titles, that's a lot of pressure on a young mm. keeper. There's a bet on David in the next issue of 442 out next week. Excuse me, David. Jacko's club, Aston Villa. <laughs> yeah, but then that's like calling Thierry Henry, Terry Henry. Yeah, well, it has been done <laughs> <laughs> on Fox Sports. <laughs> we won't go there, though. All right, well, that's it for part three. We will be back in the final part of this week's uh, 442 Insider to preview the big game, the biggest game in club football, the Champions League Manly final. Manly Vals, CC <laughs> Strikers. <laughs> oh, the Champions League Champions League, League final. Join us after the break. We all have goals, but sometimes we need a little help along the way. The best advice and assistance on your journey can make an enormous difference. Tiger Management and PR represents up-and-coming and established TV and radio presenters, performers and sports people. So if you're wondering how you'll rise to the next level, engage the services of Tiger Management and PR and you'll no longer be alone. Call 1-300-784-212 to find out more or visit tigermanagement.com.au. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. Our attention is now going to turn to the epicentre of football for this weekend. Wembley Stadium hosting Barcelona versus Manchester United in the Champions League final. Where do we start? Mm. Trevlar. Well, thinking about this the other day. And, um, you know, compare with the 2009 final, I do think it's arguably a worse menu team taking on a better Barcelona team. However, for some reason, I seem to think that, that Man U are more of a team unit, even though the individuals, you know, like Ronaldo and Tevez have gone. Um, and I, I feel like there's been a lot of talk, and we've spoken about it, about how Fergie has got a game plan for how he can stop them. If there's anyone who's going to be good enough from the dugout to do it, it will be him. Um, but also, but, uh, I, I can't believe that in 2009, Fergie's game plan was, right, Cristiano, wherever you get the ball on the pitch, try and beat three men and shoot. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think that was Ronaldo freestyling to try and dominate that cup final on his own. Yeah. Um, he'd done that in enough previous games to probably earn, you know, warrant the chance to do that. And also, I do think in the 2009 game, I, I, I think that um, Ferguson was caught a little on the hop by Messi playing through the middle. I don't think he expected that. I think he'll be more prepared for that this year. Mm. Um, Adam, what, what do you think? Who, who are you tipping for starters and why? Uh, Barcelona, because they are the best team in the world. But I can see Trev's point. I, you give Manchester United a, a, a real chance. If you watch that Champions League final from two years ago, you, you give them no chance because you, you could expect something similar happening. But he, he will not make the same mistake twice in, in how he sets up. And plus, I've seen this year in the Premier League, especially uh, Manchester United, their counter-attacking ability has Incredible. been... Yeah. With Real Rooney, pace and you know. Rooney drops drops back into the midfield more. Um, I think two years ago, I think you like in that Champions League final, you played him wide left, didn't you? Mm, yeah. Ronaldo through the middle. He drops back into the midfield, and his his midfield then runs through him. He, he hands off. Hernandez is up on the last line, creating havoc as well. They're a much more potent counter attacking side as well. So I can see them. Um, I can see them winning, but I'll tip Barcelona. Mm. I, I strongly, rec- strongly recommend four four two contributor Jonathan Wilson's piece on the Guardian. I'm not sure if you've you've read it yet, but he sort of talks about how Man U might be able to stop Barcelona. Some really interesting stats on uh, Barcelona's, um, well, not unsurprisingly, degrees of possession that they have, and it's gone up every year for the last four years. The amount of possession they have in each game, um, but the amount they score has gone down. So he sort of said Barcelona. Have become more cautious as a team so they now hold or, on to the or, ball or more than ever before or do you think that that's actually because a lot more teams are just saying well do you know what we'll, we'll let them complete 80 passes on the on the halfway line we'll just put 10 men behind the ball and be difficult to break down when they're getting into our final third possibly I mean, there's slightly different personnel up front as well I, I do think this Barcelona team's better than the ones that have come before it and, and that's why Man U have, have got to be concerned especially with David Villa up front for the <laughs> David Villa I, mean, a big, I, I think you know a big a big loss for United, and, and again, you know, it's probably a sign of how far he's come. Will be Fletcher, who supposedly is not going to be fit. Um, We're well, certainly not starting, is he? They reckon yeah, he, and he didn't, might make he, the bench. What I found amazing as well was the timing of the Gary Neville testimonial. Yeah, that Giggs and Rooney played in. They played for half an hour. Well, kind of work. They would have played a. A opposed session yeah, in training just, through the week anyway I've just so. got this image of him not, not, that, not necessarily that anyone would injure him but Rooney's not known for finessing balls <laughs> <laughs> just like imagine if you pulled a hamstring having a shot yeah. you know you'd just be like what were you doing but also I just thought why didn't they do it next Wednesday when they might have had the Champions League trophy to show up might not still be pissed yeah probably <laughs> that's true that's true but yeah, it just seemed odd to me. And I was, I was following it on, I saw it on Twitter and someone tweeted like, Rooney doesn't, not not seeing this as a testimony yeah. again, goes flying into Chile. Yeah. <laughs> what is he doing even playing? I mean, the main pressure, back to the game, the main pressure is going to be on, um, obviously, guys like Valencia, Giggs, Carrick and Park, who will play the midfield, yeah. we're led to believe. Because as soon as they get the ball... One of Barcelona's great strengths, aside from passing the ball around at ridiculous with ridiculous ease and, and speed and accuracy, is as soon as they get the ball, that first five seconds after they lose the ball, Barcelona, they're like they're like flies on heat. The pressing on the hot is, summer's yeah. day, yeah, the they're pressing's just, unbelievable. Oh, what what they do to try and get back the ball and break up the play immediately of the opposition is quite incredible. So yeah. I read a stat: the average number the of shots opposite teams of opponent teams have had against Barcelona. I think you know, on average you get two a game against them. 
and in a final that'll be it's very likely that Man U will only get one or two chances to score yeah and I do think that's why Ferguson you know I've read a lot that are you know they're going to be they're going to be outnumbered they're going to be too lightweight in midfield with Carrick and Giggs but I, I sort of think that it's not about being heavyweight in midfield against Barcelona it's being able to keep the ball when yeah. you get it like as you just said because they try and win it back as quickly as possible and having Giggs and Carrick whose ball retention and ability to find a a pass is, is probably amongst the best, certainly as we've seen in the in this run to the final. It's always important to have ball retention on a big night. Oh like this. yes, it's, it's um, talk of Mascherano playing centre back as well, though. What? Yeah, because um, he's Poyle might need two. Poyle might need to play left back, so no, that that would be well, interesting. Well, if that see, I mean, I, but, I, but I do. It, I think he'd, he'd be on right the right. Back. Yeah, I, I think he'd right need cover on the left. Oh, okay. yeah. You know, I do think with that front six of United, you know, with the the four that we've just talked about, Valencia, I think, has been a massive boost for United coming back. In that, you know, and he will spread the play. He's very disciplined. Park on the left will will keep Alves busy at both ends of the pitch. Alves will struggle to get away from him. Park's um, got a great defensive. And game. I do think really I good. think we'll see Rooney dropping in, yeah. dropping deep to to be that yeah. third player in that midfield area. Um, and as we said, Hernandez. I mean, but but also, I think the key thing is, you know, Man United have got to this final without conceding an away goal, mm. which is phenomenal. That is amazing. You know, to go through a, cha- a whole Champions League campaign, group stages and knockouts without conceding an away goal, and I think so they've been that, relatively toilet in the Premier League away from home, exactly. But away yeah, from the home Champions in the Champions League. League. Not been beaten, not conceded. So I think that's a key stat going into this game because I think if anyone can have the defensive discipline to keep Barcelona out, um, then I think it would be Man United. So I, I think it's going to be absolutely absorbing game. Mm. Uh, and you know, but then on the other side of it, you'd say, well, okay, if Barcelona have a weakness, it is probably their defensive that back four. Um, you know, they're great going forward. PK's nice on the ball, yeah. but Hernandez and Rooney. Little combinations on the edge of the box. We've seen them caught out. Saw some comedy defending in Barcelona's last game between PK and the keeper. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're not, you know, they're not unbeatable. Yeah, they're not bulletproof. Um, and I, and I, do, I, I disagree, Trevor. I think Man United will create a few chances against them. Mm. Uh, I, I, I can see it being, you know, incredibly, I can see it being nil-nil at full time quite easily. And the, the other thing that Man United will need to take advantage of is set pieces. You know, attacking yeah. set pieces, they will need to be on the money. And they, again, they've got the ability to do that. And and the other players that I think will be critical is is Patrice Evra and whoever plays right back, probably O'Shea, um, whether they can get up and support when United have the ball uh, just to create that extra man. And the bookies, Sporting Bet, have got it uh, quite surprisingly over, over the 90 minutes. Barcelona uh, evens, two bucks, and Man United are $3.65. To win in ninety minutes, the draw is three dollars forty. Trev, you might have a piece of that. Yeah. To win it outright, Barcelona dollar forty eight, Man United two dollars sixty. That'd be the value bet for me. United to win it. Long time since they've been two dollars sixty in a head to head match. What's the what's the nil nil? Trev's nil nil. Have you got that there? Or have you asked nil nil draw beyond you? Oh, that's half time. Yeah. I've got Parchi Sung first goal scorer as well. Yeah. I can see that. Frog yeah. juice might help. Yeah. I've heard about his uh, training methods. I can, you know, we were talking about in the week. Archie sung thirteen bucks to score the first goal. There you go, thirteen. Yeah. Tw- Twenty-three to one. I got him. Yeah. All right. Predictions so time. Disparaged. <laughs> <laughs> no earlier the price. <laughs> predictions time. Trev, you've gone nil nil. Uh, I'm going to go nil nil and Manuel on penalties. 
2-1 Barcelona. In 90 or after yeah, extra time? Yeah, All right, I'm going to go 2-2 draw after 90 two, minutes. 2-2? And I'm going to go... I don't think there's going to be four goals in that game. I think there is. I'm going to go... <laughs> United in extra time. You're thinking three, very two. hard there. I thought you were trying three, to push two. something out. No, 3-2 United extra time. Three, they'll score in extra time. So it's not going to be the 2-2 the two, two pens like we saw at uh, Suncorp Stadium. No. A couple of months two, ago. 2-2 after 90. 3-2 after extra time to United. Happy days. Optimistic. We're a good final. Yeah, I think the Wembley factor might just come into play a little bit. I'm already down with my 0-0 prediction, but <laughs> more I think, well, the more you think about that Barcelona team, we talk about weaknesses, but it's so hard to predict against them, isn't it? You know, when you know as much about them as you do, but I'll oh, stick with 0-0 now. Okay. Nothing to lose. All right, well, early hours of uh, Sunday morning is kickoff time, Saturday night in England. So it is a 4.45 kickoff, I believe. 5.15, pretty sure. See, he's had this argument raging all week. I think it's it well, it, it, it's oh, so it's seven forty-five UK yeah, time. Which is four forty-five. SBS are advertising it's five fifteen. I saw that as well. <laughs> Unless it's eight fifteen in England. So don't worry about the first half an hour. Yeah. So, uh, well, tune in or get on the forums and give Trev some stick if you if you end up getting up half an hour too early. <laughs> get up, get up half an hour early just to be safe. All right. Well, look. It's going to be a great game. Make sure you watch. Enjoy the game. We will be back next week to pick the bones out of it and also the uh, FIFA elections and the <laughs> ongoing FIFA saga. Uh, so join us uh, next week for 442 Insider. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for coming in, as always. Cheers. No worries. Pleasure. Of the show. Look forward, to, uh, look forward to the draw on Tuesday. Yes. We'll be able to talk about this new innovation. Get across it. Brilliant. All right. Thanks, guys. See you next week. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.